mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today in our community and business spotlight, Buckeye basketball legend Jerry Lucas. He'll join us to talk about a special event coming next month to Hillcrest Golf Club, a benefit for his Dr. Memory Visual Learning Program. Also this morning, meeting people where they are, how the National 988 Mental Health Crisis Hotline has led to expanded ways of reaching those who need help and fresh perspectives on delivering individual care. And conversations on crime prevention. The annual Flag City Night Out event includes lots of fun and games, but its ultimate purpose is anything but. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. So here's the story. Taco Tuesday, uh, you know, is you heard about this, uh, right? The the trademark battle over the uh, phrase Taco Tuesday, Taco John's uh, chain that uh, I don't know that we have any. It's a 20 state uh, taco chain, uh, fast food, Mexican fast food chain. Uh, I don't know that we have any around here, but uh, in any event, Taco John's. Uh, owned the trademark for decades on the phrase Taco Tuesday uh, when the much larger taco chain, uh, Taco Bell, uh, filed a formal challenge to the trademark earlier this year. And now the Wall Street Journal is reporting that uh, uh, Taco John's is throwing in the towel, deciding a legal fight would be too expensive to protect their trademark. So they're just giving it up. Um, The CEO of the company, Jim Creel, says it is just not worth the amount of money it would take to defend the trademark. We would rather take that money and put it toward a good cause. So Taco Bell, in a classic case of corporate bullying, uh, has, I guess won their uh, their lawsuit, and now Taco Tuesday will be in the public domain. So Taco John's has decided that is not the uh, outcome I expected from that fight. And uh, actually, I'm a little disappointed. I mean, I'm glad that we can all enjoy Taco Tuesday and all of that, but uh, I'm a little surprised that Taco John's just decided to throw in the towel. I wonder if... Maybe there was some uh, backdoor wheeling and dealing in that whole thing. I, it just seems odd to me that that's the way this has uh, played out. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but the cynic in me says that there was something going on behind the scenes between those two chains, and uh, they worked out an agreement, or maybe the whole thing was just a big publicity stunt that. Taco John's uh, had decided not to renew their uh, trademark uh, on on this or, or whatever. I don't know, but it just seems like an odd ending to that story. But nonetheless, apparently Taco Tuesday is now a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all on Taco Tuesday. Every Anybody and everybody can use uh, the phrase. Uh, Here's one of the other big stories uh, that I saw yesterday, and I don't know if you caught this. It was all over social media among uh, Cedar Point fans. The park is hinting at an announcement of future plans for the roller coaster formerly known as Top Thrill Dragster, which, of course, as you know, has been closed since 2021 after a guest 
suffered serious injuries when a piece of metal fell from the ride, hit her in the head, a multi-million dollar lawsuit recently filed in the matter, which is which is interesting in the timing of this because uh, the uh, lawsuit was just filed and was just in the news, and now they're turning around and they're going to announce what they're going to do with that ride. Um, the, uh, the park, uh, Cedar Point this season has been busy painting some parts of the, of the track, including the big hill, uh, refurbing, uh, some of the track, removing other parts of the track, adding new footers. So a lot of speculation as to what's coming, uh, when they announced last year that top thrill dragster would not reopen, they, hinted at a reimagined experience and now a message posted by cedar point simply says get revved up 8123 so apparently everybody is is taking that to mean that apparently on uh, august 1st we will find out exactly what cedar point has planned for that space and most importantly for that 400 plus foot uh, hill uh, that was the pinnacle of uh, Top Thrill Dragster and a an iconic part of the Cedar Point skyline. So I guess we'll find out uh, here in a couple of weeks. So big, big news there for theme park enthusiasts. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Did you happen to see this uh, story the other day on, on social media earlier this week? Uh, in a jaw-dropping display of nostalgia a first generation iphone from all the way back in 2007 has been auctioned off bringing a mind-boggling $190,372.80 at auction uh, according to lcg auctions this factory sealed 4 gigabyte model is the holy grail of iphone collectibles and that is because of its limited production. Uh, this particular iPhone was discontinued just two months after its grand entrance, after its grand, de- grand debut. Apparently, Apple realized that they could make more money by selling an 8-gigabyte model uh, rather than a 4-gig version. And so, very, very rare. And collectors going bananas over this. And um, this is... Again, an unopened, factory-sealed, <laughs> original iPhone, 4-gigabyte model from 2007. Apparently, the person who co-signed this gem to the auction was actually part of the original Apple engineering team, which makes this particular iPhone even that much more valuable. I get it, but nearly $200,000 for... A device that only dates back, what, less than 20 years? I mean, if this is where this is going, imagine what that's going to be worth, you know, 50 years from now. Man, I 50 years from now, we'll check in and see if this guy got a deal <laughs> for whoever it was that bought it. Uh, for two hundred thousand, if they turn around and sell it for like two million dollars, then I guess it was a good purchase. But uh, for now, I look at this, and like I said, a jaw-dropping display of nostalgia and questionable financial decisions. So he's got an extra two hundred grand laying around to buy an old iPhone. I don't know. 
Uh, let's see. You know, we've got a, a special election. Speaking of the first uh, of August with the uh, Cedar Point announcement, you know, we've got a, uh, a special election coming up in the month of August in the state of Ohio. I don't need to rehash uh, the the whole deal about the August special election and what's at stake here and, and so on and so forth. But I did think this was uh, interesting. A new study actually out of Florida, but is very timely given our special election coming up. A new study out of Florida finds that uh, children, well, this is not news. Children tend to copy their parents' habits, but that uh, includes voting. Uh, the study finds that teens could be picking up uh, very poor voting habits uh, from their parents. The study surveyed 571 adolescents and their parents. Uh, political apathy in the adults correlated with an increase in political apathy in children. If those... Uh, if those parents did not vote, the kids were most uh, likely not to vote as well. Despite the rising importance of friends and peers, the study's uh, authors conclude many forms of adolescent behavior remain highly susceptible to parental influence, political apathy, the feeling of political powerlessness or separation, the feeling of your vote doesn't matter, uh, definitely gets handed down from parents to their kids, and so uh, if we want good, if we want to raise good citizens, basically they're saying we need to demonstrate that. Get out and vote. So there, if you need a reason to get out and vote, uh, that would be a good one. Uh, let's see here, a couple of other uh, interesting items among the. First things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. This has been a growing trend, and we have talked about this on the program uh, in the past. Retailers putting more and more of their inventory under lock and key uh, to prevent shoplifting. And uh, we see it in big box stores and even smaller retailers. Now in San Francisco, buying a microwave dinner requires security clearance. (laughs) Um, frozen, it says here, frozen food customers in the crime-plagued city of San Francisco have been forced to put their purchases on ice and find a clerk to unlock the coolers in the uh, frozen food aisle. Retailers taking drastic measures to keep shoplifters at bay. The doors in the frozen food section at one local Walgreens in the San Francisco area are now locked from customers uh, who will need the staff's assistance to access the microwave dinners and all of that <laughs> all that stuff. Now that is uh, extreme. Do we really have a problem with people shoplifting microwave dinners? I mean, honestly, do we is that that big of a problem? Maybe in San Francisco, I guess. I don't know. But uh, it, it that just seems a bit extreme <laughs> to lock up the frozen foods. And uh, this is kind of interesting, something to chew on here. Uh, Airbnb is uh, like a multi-billion dollar business, right? Um, And just like hotels, guests at Airbnbs tend to leave things behind when they vacate the premises. Uh, According to a Miami Airbnb host... Uh, She's been sharing some of the surprising things the guests have left at her properties over the years. And her series on 
I think this was on TikTok. Is it TikTok or is it on YouTube? Anyway, Instagram, I don't know. Anyway, one of these social media, she's got a, a series of videos uh, highlighting some of the things that uh, guests have left behind uh, when they stay at her Airbnbs. Her series on what guests have left behind has become very popular as followers are fascinated to get into a peek, uh, to get a peek into what goes on behind closed doors of sorts. Food and alcohol are uh, fairly popular. And I would say that we've done that when my wife and I and our family have stayed at an Airbnb. Uh, we'll buy, you know, we'll buy food. We'll buy some groceries for the, the length of our stay. And if we don't eat everything, we some of the stuff we can't take with us or we don't want to take with us. We'll just leave that for the next guest or for the owner, whoever. Uh, food and alcohol, popular left behind items. Um, even though sometimes uh, there are surprising number of uh, amount of groceries they're they're left behind sometimes almost a full fridge um anyway she found a designer bag a designer mark jacobs bag that someone left behind a hat and a scarf that a guest left behind and here's what's interesting after she contacted the guest and say hey i think you forgot your designer bag i mean these things are pricey um the uh, guest said that the bag had been a gift from a friend who was no longer a friend, didn't explain, <laughs> but she said she had no des- no desire to get the bag back. So <laughs> so the uh, Airbnb host kept the item. She got a free designer bag out of the whole thing. Um, the uh, story goes on to say here, Airbnb hosting has become a booming business in 2022. Worldwide revenue for the company was $8.4 billion, not including the value of all of the things that guests leave behind for, for the owners to just keep. Uh, that right there might have doubled, the, that designer Mark Jacob, Jacob's bag might have doubled the uh, company's profits right there uh, all by itself. There you go, some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today with the high in the mid-80s. Partly cloudy tonight, a low in the mid-60s. The Finley Rocks the 60s Goes Live concert is coming up at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. The live show is based on the Finley Rocks the 60s exhibit at the Hancock Historical Museum. Judge Reg Routson. I sort of envision it as sort of a giant 60s reunion in a way for all of us who grew up during that era and graduated. Most of us graduated right at the change of the decade, I graduated in 71, but a lot of people that are going to come in are going to perform were in the late 60s. So it's sort of like the culmination of a whole bunch of work. The concert's coming up on Saturday, July 29th at MCPA. Get more details on the concert, including ticket information and the story on our website. A bill's been introduced in the Ohio House that would ban drag shows in most places in Ohio. House Bill 245 would ban drag performances, also known as adult cabaret performances, from locations that are not adult entertainment facilities. It was introduced by two Republican state lawmakers, and 41 others have co-sponsored the bill. I'm Yolanda Harris. Finley Mayor Christina Mern is inviting everybody out to her next Move with the Mayor event, which will also be a Wags and Walks event. Over the past four years, I've really enjoyed the Move with the Mayor program and the support of the National Forum on Cardiovascular Health and Stroke Prevention. I really believe that everybody can make small changes to improve our health. 
At the event next Wednesday at Emory Adams Park, people will have a chance to take a shelter dog from the Humane Society and SPCA of Hancock County for a walk to see if they make a connection. Get more details on our website. The Ohio State Highway Patrol has entered the 10th annual Best Looking Cruiser contest put on by the American Association of State Troopers. We have a link with the story on our website where you can vote for your favorite cruiser. And the top 13 photos receiving the highest number of votes will be featured on a wall calendar. And the photo that gets the highest number of votes will be on the cover. See what picture the Ohio State Highway Patrol entered in the contest in the story on our website. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Well, we are joined now by Buckeye basketball legend Jerry Lucas, who is going to be in town next month for the aptly named Jerry Lucas and the Buckeye Legends Golf Classic at Hillcrest Golf Club with proceeds benefiting Dr. Memory Visual Learning. And we'll we'll explain what that is here in just a moment. First, Jerry, tell us about the golf uh, outing, the golf event itself. Give us uh, the details on this. Well, the event will be held at Hillcrest uh, Golf Club on August the 19th, Saturday. Uh, a lot of my friends will be there, Archie Griffin, Clark Kellogg, uh, John Diebler, Aaron Kraft, Jay Burson, Jim Clemens, and Jimmy Jackson might show up. He has an engagement, but he might come. And the purpose of the event is to raise funds in my nonprofit corporation, which is Dr. Memory Visual Learning, to help create my revolutionary educational website, which is a total new way of learning that makes learning automatic, automatic, fun, and unforgettable, which sounds impossible, but I've worked 40 years creating and developing that. So it'll be a great day. There'll be a lot of fun, great food, uh, the opportunity to win some wonderful things, uh, and the opportunity to bid on some great things. One of them, for instance, is uh, two tickets, uh, uh, on the 50-yard line for the Michigan State football game upcoming this year and the wow. night before on Friday, a dinner at Jeff Ruby's with me and my family. So, wow. Uh, there, there, there are a lot of things that will be offered, and it will be a great day. Uh, that is uh, definitely going to be a, a an event not to be missed. And so, Dr. Memory Visual Learning. Now, this, as you uh, mentioned, is a venture that uh, you have been – working on this has been your life's work for four decades uh, or, or so uh, this long running Lucas learning system explain what this is and how it works well all children learn automatically before going to school they don't know what they're doing their parents don't know what's happening they don't know the alphabet they don't know numbers so how can they learn they learn as parents point to and identify objects that they can see we all had it happen to us. That's a chair, that's a cat, that's a dog, that's a tree, etc. Now in this process, miracle after miracle is a happening that we aren't aware of because God has given us a remarkable ability that causes every tangible item that we identify to never be forgotten. Because every time we think of it, it reappears in our minds. If I say, for instance, please do not see a zebra in your mind, it's too late. You just saw a zebra. Yeah. You know, and, and I mentioned a giraffe or, or an elephant or whatever, they all appear in your mind. And the problem in education is we've never been able to use that automatic learning ability because nothing has ever had an identity. It's all ink on a page, abstract information. If a pronoun walked into the room where you are right now, you've never seen one, so you couldn't know what it was. So I have spent my lifetime giving tangible identities to everything children need to learn. And it's remarkable how fun it is, how easy it is. It's been a lifetime, uh, it's taken a lifetime to create it. 
but now is the time to make it a reality to make a in complete change in the educational system in America and this this golf outing will help towards that end. How did you come up with this idea and design this system? I mean, what attracted you to this uh, mission? Well, as a boy, I had an incredibly active mind. And when I learned to count, I counted everything I saw and tried to remember what was there when I came back. When I learned to spell, I began to spell every word I saw alphabetically, rearranging the letters in alphabetic order. Hmm. For instance, cat is spelled C-A-T, but alphabetically, it's A-C-T. A comes before C, C before T in the alphabet. Yeah. I can do it faster alphabetically than anybody else can regularly. For instance, I'm sitting in front of my computer, C-E-M-O-P-R-T-U. There's a television, E-E-I-L-O-S-T-V. There's a picture on the wall, C-E-I-P-R-T-U. Now, of course, that has absolutely no purpose and no value at all, but it kept my mind active. And in the fourth grade, our teacher came in one day and said, class today, I'm going to teach you how to remember the names of the Great Lakes by using a picture. That was the first and last time a teacher ever did that for me. But she said, imagine the Great Lakes in your mind. Now see Holmes floating on them. And here's the reason why. Holmes is spelled H-O-M-E-S. And those are the beginning letters of the five Great Lakes. Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, and Superior. Hmm. And I thought to myself as a young boy in the fourth grade, wow, I'll never forget that as long as I live because I can see it in my mind. Yeah. And then the next thought gave me the purpose for my life. I thought, what if I could picture everything I needed to learn? And the game was on, Chris. Uh, I began to do it. I didn't know what I was doing initially, but it, it grew, it matured, it, it became more sophisticated. And, and I've had the opportunity to do some remarkable things that will change things dramatically and forever in education. So the key to this is not so much uh, teaching the kids directly, but teaching them how to learn in this way that will allow that information to stick with them. Oh, yeah, yes, and they can never forget it. Let me give you an example of a picture I have to teach a state and a capital, for instance. You can't see it, but you can imagine it as I describe it. It's Arkansas on Little Rock, and I have a picture, an animated picture, a humanized picture of an arc like Noah's Ark standing up. Mm -hmm. There is a can in front of it, and it's holding a saw. So there's an arc, a can, and a saw. You can see it. Now, the can is being used as a holding place, so the arc can saw a Little Rock in half. So what's the capital of Arkansas? Little Little Rock. Rock. And once you see the picture and have it explained to you, I guarantee you, for as long as you live, Every time you think of Arkansas, that picture will pop into your mind and you will see the answer just as when you think of a zebra, a zebra pops in your mind and you see it. And it's remarkable what has been created. Characters, music, unbelievable things to make learning really fun for children in the near future. Well, anything that uh, improves uh, kids' chances of success in lifelong learning, not just kids, for lifelong learning uh, success, I I think is a a worthwhile cause. So again, the event, the Buckeye Legends Golf Classic at Hillcrest Golf Club is coming up a month from now, Saturday, August 19th at Hillcrest Golf Club. The golf, the reception, the private auction, uh, all of that included with your registration space is limited we will have a link on our webpage for more information about it and again buckeye basketball legend jerry lucas with us this morning jerry thanks very much for taking the time really looking forward to the event next month thank you chris i am as well i appreciated the opportunity to speak with you have a good day the community and business spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor
Now we want to uh, continue our conversation. We started yesterday. You remember this past weekend marked the uh, first anniversary, the much-publicized launch of the 988 Mental Health Crisis Hotline nationwide. We were talking about uh, its success and uh, its ability to help save lives, which is the ultimate goal. I'm going to talk this morning about, uh, you know, kind of expand on that a little bit and how the uh, 988 hotline has led to uh, more ways of reaching people where they are, reaching those who need help and fresh perspectives on uh, delivering individual care. And uh, Precious Duby is with us from the uh, Hancock County uh, Alcohol, Drug Abuse, Mental Health Services, the Adamus Board. And Precious, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Such an important topic. It was kind of interesting. Yesterday, we were speaking with uh, Maria Kuhl uh, from the uh, Family Resource Center. And something she said I thought was uh, really uh, interesting, really uh, struck me. She said, is this best community that she has worked for with respect to uh, those uh, resources that are available uh, for individuals who are in crisis. Why? Why is that? I mean, I, you know, that's that's pretty high praise, and uh, obviously, you kind of pat yourself on the back for that. Um, but what what is the difference? I mean, what stands out to you about the resources that are available in this community? Well, I, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, what I would say is when you think about a crisis line or a 988 line, mm-hmm. you need to think about that as like a door mm-hmm. to a house. Right. And so it's like an entry. And if there's not a house behind it, mm-hmm. you know. You're to, just walking to, through a door. That, that's exactly nothing. right. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And so, you know, we have been fortunate in this community because we have taxpayer support, because we have aggressively been able to secure other grants and so on to augment our funding to mm-hmm. build part of the house yeah. so that when people come through that door, there's supports to be able to catch them. Yeah. Um, and, and a recognition uh, and an acknowledgement within the community uh, of the importance of this, mm-hmm. which, you know, again, some communities are more open to talking about this and, and bringing it to the fore. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that we have in our community is Every single month, every entity that is involved in emergency services, we have a monthly call mm-hmm. where we can troubleshoot issues, identify where there's gaps, celebrate things that have, are going well. And it's an, it's an ongoing way for us to monitor mm-hmm. the quality and the need for any kind of improvements in our system. Yeah. One of the things that we didn't talk about uh, when Maria was here yesterday is we were, we were speaking about the 988 line and how it's opened up, uh, opened up some of those doors um, in conjunction with the resources that are available locally, but just one more way that people can, can reach out. One of the things that we didn't mention was the ability to not just pick up the phone and call, but text and chat. Uh, availability. Again, we talk about meeting people where they are. How invaluable is that? It, there's, there's no words. <laughs> you yeah. know, when somebody needs help, you have to have a way for them to reach. And the, the concept of... In a way they, that they feel comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, nationwide, about 19% of the people that reach out or the contacts are done through texting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that has that been sort of a, a change that you've had to adapt to? Because this is new. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it, you know, it's something that is 
you know, unknown when you launch that. Okay, how is this going to work? How is a text and chat uh, back and forth going to yeah, work? The, you know, that the, kind cri- of the crisis text line has been in place for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, actually preceded the nine eight eight. Yeah. Um, be with the advent of youth, basically, yeah. who felt more comfortable doing that, and mm-hmm. it has just taken off. And so now they've been able to converge those two, so people have the opportunity to, in a short way. Yeah, in an easy way for them to mm-hmm. reach out and Wait, get help. Again, ways in which uh, they are comfortable, and again, uh, kind of speaks to the ability to change and adapt uh, as the needs change. A- absolutely, and I, I think there is a there's both a national vision and a state vision for crisis services because it's no surprise that mental health is really front and center mm-hmm. on every for every state in this country. And yeah. so it starts with the 988 being this idea of there's a place to connect. You know, there's a place to call. Uh, they have someone to call. The next step is someone to respond. Now, this is part of the house. You know, mm-hmm. that responding, trying to be able to get that mobile response, somebody to come out, somebody to deal with the crisis. The same way, like, if you dial 911, you expect a response. Mm-hmm. If it can't be handled by phone, somebody's going to come to you right. to build that response system. And then the next thing is a place to go. And so you're going to see more and more development of crisis stabilization centers, stabilization centers, all drop-off facilities, and so on. Mm-hmm. And then the next piece is then once you can stabilize someone is to help them thrive and, and do well. So uh, it's interesting uh, the way you refer uh, to that as uh, 988 or local hotlines, whatever it might happen to be, uh, text lines, chat lines as being that door uh, that, that one opens. And you talk about in the community uh, building part of the house. You, right. Interesting way that you put that, putting, uh, building part of the house. So w- what's missing? And again, we, we talk about... Uh, the fact that in this community we are blessed to have so many resources, such a wealth of resources and variety of resources. What's missing from that? I mean, what, where where would you like to see us go next? I mean, what remains to be so flushed out? There are um, a couple of things, and you know, one of the things we need to think about is what's reality for us. Um, and uh, our biggest stumbling block right now is the workforce shortage, but. The biggest gaping hole that is in this community is that 24-7 drop-off. So a police officer or somebody calls and they need a place to go right now. Mm -hmm. Right now in our system, that's either the emergency room or law enforcement to the jail. We currently have a stabilization facility, so we can get people in within hours, within the next day, that kind of thing. But we don't have that 24-7 drop-off. And those kind of facilities are being built all around us. And it may be that we, our drop-off facility may be Wood County or it may be Allen We might not be able to sustain that because it requires medical staff mm-hmm. 24-7. The someone to respond, having that mobile response, we have that during the day. We have it during the evening. We don't have it 24-7, yeah. again, because of capacity. So, so I, you know, it's like we have some of the pieces, but we don't have the depth and the availability that we would like to have. So what is the key to making that happen? Um, workforce right now, I, I would say. And, and that is, uh, a, as you know, a nationwide issue. Right. Um, so it is about how can, what can we do to attract people 
and sustain them, retain them in, in this type of field. Uh, and I would imagine that is a challenge and has long been a challenge because, again, not having any experience in, in this particular field, but I can imagine this is one that can burn you out pretty quickly. Yes. they. T- you know, um, crisis... So kind of the mental health for the mental health professionals. Uh, well... Mental health for mental health professionals, no matter whether they're doing crisis services or ongoing yeah. care, again, ha- has been proven to be one. If you don't do that, you're not going to retain your staff, period. Right. Well, um, I think during the pandemic, uh, we saw that with like nursing staff and, you know, medical staff, clearly, just the, the clearly, pressures. You know, yeah. I, you know, and I, and I would say that to everybody in every field. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> an, an Absolutely. important message. But you have crisis services. There are people that love crisis services and people that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really need to find people that it's it's comfortable in their skin. This is a challenge, again, not just here, but everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but the long and short of it, and, and again, we cycle back to sort of the impetus for this conversation uh, being the launch of the 988 uh, line. It was a, a year ago this past weekend. Um, you would concur, as Maria was saying yesterday, that this has uh, been a, a good thing, that there was maybe some some questions about you know, how you know, this will, will work and will it really be a benefit, but you've seen the benefits from this? Well, two things. Uh, one is, you know, I've been in this chair for 33 years. Yeah. If you ask me our hotline number, I have to look it up. Mm-hmm. You know, 988 is that simple yeah. ability for people to remember. Mm-hmm. So, so that is, that's a win for us that people can know mm-hmm. when to call. When you're in a crisis, looking up a number is a bad thing to do. Right. 988 is great for that. The, the second thing that they've done is because it got started through the suicide um, hotlines is there, there aren't as many. You know, it's not like every community has a hotline number mm-hmm. that's being right. staffed. Right. And so you have that ability to um, have staff in one place with higher levels of degrees, higher level of ability to triage and and de-escalate the caller. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you dial that 988 number, no, it's not being answered in Hancock County, but it's being answered by a group of professionals who know what they're doing. And by and large, nationally, most of the calls are resolved just with a call. Yeah. And then they have the opportunity to tap into local resources if they need them. There has been uh, some concern. I've read a couple of reports, again, tied in with the uh, first anniversary that uh, were uh, pieces that reported over the weekend. There's been some concern about the long-term viability and the funding for uh, 988 to be able to continue long-term. Uh, how how critical is that? Has that become in the, in the full picture i mean that's one puzzle piece but right. a pretty big puzzle piece I would imagine. it is a big puzzle piece and it's been kind of left to each state mm-hmm. to figure out their sustainability be able to do that um and there was a significant um I, i'm gonna ballpark you i think about 50 million dollars mm-hmm. in the state budget yeah that just recently passed for ohio for our sustainability. Yeah, good news there. Again, uh, Precious Doobie is uh, with the uh, Hancock County Alcohol, Drug Abuse, Mental Health Services Board, the Adamus Board, uh, talking about the uh, anniversary of 980 and local uh, mental health uh, crisis resources uh, here in the community. Precious, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. 
We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Federal officials are investigating after an airplane emergency slide was found in someone's backyard in Chicago. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine going out to your backyard and (laughs) finding an airplane emergency slide? It's a it was a deflated airplane emergency slide in uh, this family's backyard. (laughs) Like, what in the world is this? Officials say the slide is from a United Airlines flight, and it did cause some damage to the home. Happened on Monday afternoon. The homeowner said he heard a loud boom and then went outside to see the slide in his mother's garden. (laughs) Uh, Officials say the FAA is working with uh, the airline to figure out exactly what happened. It wasn't like there was a plane crash or anything. Just (laughs) the slide just fell off the airplane. That's a little disconcerting. Good thing it didn't hit anybody. I mean, it could have killed someone, but, uh, you know, just a little bit of property damage and some family has a story to tell. Elsewhere in the broken news, uh, this from uh, King County. No, it just says King King County. Um, and there are a lot of states with a, a King County, so I'm, I apologize. I don't have... Uh, the full location. Anyway, deputy with the uh, local sheriff's office had some llama drama on Saturday, apparently. Uh, one of the stubborn animals was standing in the uh, road blocking traffic. It began when the uh, sheriff's office communications center received a call from a driver who said he couldn't deliver a package because a llama was standing in the middle of the road. Now, the dispatcher, naturally, and I think this would be the reaction that I would have, too, if I was a 911 operator and got that call, I'd think this can't be real, right? (laughs) This can't be real. Uh, It's got to be a prank. But nonetheless, um, because they can never assume that, they dispatched an officer. And in fact, the officer found there was a llama in the road that refused to move. (laughs) Deputy uh, Pazosa was able to use his de-escalation skills (laughs) to sweet-talk the llama into, um, well, he sweet-talked the llama, is said, using his de-escalation skills and standing just a tad over spitting distance, (laughs) the deputy was able to sweet-talk the llama into putting a leash on him to get him off the road. Short time later, emergency dispatchers got another call, this time from someone reporting that their llama had escaped. Well, they put two and two together, and uh, the sheriff says, we were happy to reunite the owner and their furry friend, and the driver was able to deliver the package, um, and everything uh, had a happy ending there. But (laughs) again, at least they've got a story to tell there. In other broken news, uh, a Texas woman has been detained in the United Arab Emirates for screaming in public. Uh, a shocking crime this is. According to the a woman's mother, Tierra Young Allen was on vacation when she was involved in a car accident in a rental car. She then tried to retrieve her items from the, from the rental and was told she would have to pay a fee. Young man was allegedly raising his voice, and Allen, Ms. Allen, yelled back at him. Um, Ms. Allen, 
who is also known as a trucker-turned-TikTok influencer, has been detained now for two months without her passport for yelling back at this, uh, this kid. Can't do that in the United Arab Emirates. She may even face prison time. Wow. Uh, let's see. The horrible crime of yelling... Screaming at another person, screaming at a man, having the audacity of screaming at a man in public. Uh, Let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, I don't know if this uh, Colorado uh, doctor, I don't know if this would uh, necessarily uh, instill a whole lot of confidence in this uh, doctor as a medical professional. Joshua Bullman needed to have his lower leg bandaged at a local hospital. Uh, It doesn't say what kind of accident he had, but anyway, he needed his lower leg bandaged. So he goes to the hospital, and uh, (laughs) before he could get his leg wrapped, he caught his doctor watching a video online on how to wrap an ankle. (laughs) Before the doctor wrapped the ankle. He was watching a YouTube video... On it. Now, we all do this, right? We have uh, you know, something that we need to do, you know, a simple home repair that we've never done before. And we're not really sure. We'll go online. We'll you know, find somebody who does know what they're talking about or appears to know what they're talking about. And um, we'll, you know, maybe it's fixing the car, doing a home repair, whatever. Yeah, I've done that. I think we've all uh, done that. But for a doctor... <laughs> to need to uh, reference a video on how to wrap an ankle before she wrapped his ankle. The uh, clip uh, of the video, the the video of the doctor watching a video as he recorded this and posted it online itself, that clip has gone viral with uh, nearly a million and a half views. Most commenters were shocked, but the the man in question, Joshua Bullman, the uh, patient said, it actually did not bother me or make me nervous. We all need refreshers on how to do things from time to time. So I considered it just normal. Still, I don't know <laughs> if I trust, trust that doctor or not. Uh, let's see. Uh, and finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, a homeowner in Kinnelon... Kinnelon, New Jersey. Kinnelon, New Jersey is about to find out what happens when you cut down your neighbor's trees. Here's the story. The alleged culprit, Grant Haber, uh, stands accused of cutting down 32 big mature trees on his neighbor's property in New Jersey because he wanted to get a better view of the New York City skyline across the river. His neighbor's trees were blocking his view, so he cut them down, 32 of them. Apparently, he hired a guy to do this, who in turn hired another guy. Unfortunately for Mr. Haber, most states, including New Jersey, have laws against cutting down another person's trees. Uh, They are very difficult to replace. They're very expensive and also uh, important for air quality. The fine in New Jersey per tree is $1,000. So initially you'd think this is a $32,000 fine for all of the trees. But the local arborist actually wrote violations to all three parties. Remember, he hired a guy to cut down the trees. 
And then that guy, in turn, hired somebody else. So when you add it all up, it's 96 violations in all. And there is a provision requiring the replanting of like trees of the same size. In other words, the culprit and both the people that were hired to do the task can be held legally responsible for replacing the trees they removed, not just planting new saplings, but actually transporting full-grown trees to the victim's lot and making sure they survive the process of being transplanted. So, long story short, um, the price uh, of the entire process comes with a very hefty price tag. The victim has been in touch with the only company they could find willing to do the job of transplanting full-grown trees is that they have to actually build a road, remove the debris, plant the big trees, and water them for two years. Uh, The price quoted $1.5 million. That is in addition to the fines of around $400,000. So... The final tally, the grand price tag for this guy, uh, Grant Haber, who cut down 32 mature trees on his neighbor's property, $2 million. $2 million that he's on the hook for. Moral of the story, leave your neighbor's trees alone. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. Uh, Definitely a cautionary tale there. The uh, odd and unusual side of the headlines this morning. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. You don't think twice about wearing your seatbelt. Going boating? Real boaters wear a life jacket. It's easy to do. Accidents can happen quickly. And if you're not wearing your life jacket, you won't have time to put it on if it's stowed. So pick a comfortable life jacket and wear it. Remember, life jackets are for everyone, regardless of your age or swimming ability. Have fun, make memories, and boat responsibly. This message brought to you by the National Safe Boating Council and U.S. Coast Guard. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. And this is a very disturbing statistic, I think, a really disconcerting item. A new report from Johns Hopkins University says nearly 800,000 Americans die or become disabled each year because of misdiagnosis after being misdiagnosed with a, a an illness or, or some sort of a condition. And again, this is not a rogue report. This is a Johns Hopkins University report. It says patients are being diagnosed with the wrong conditions across a range of healthcare settings each and every year. The researchers estimate about 370,000 of those patients will die from their misdiagnosis, while over 420,000 will become permanently disabled. So nearly 800,000 Americans in all impacted in some way, shape, or form, some significant way, shape, or form because of a misdiagnosis. The lead author of the report calls it a public health emergency. And I would have to say, this does sound like a public health emergency. Um, According to the report, the uh, five diseases that are most commonly misdiagnosed, the five diseases or conditions 
that are most commonly misdiagnosed. And again, this is rather alarming. Stroke. And I don't know if these are in order. So I don't want to say stroke is number one. It's just one of the top five. The top five. uh, Stroke, sepsis, pneumonia, blood clots, and lung cancer. I mean, the most common misdiagnoses. And uh, all of those obviously can be extremely serious. Uh, Again, it's a report from Johns Hopkins University. It's a little alarming, to say the least. So this morning, we're going to launch uh, an ongoing series uh, through the uh, end of the year and perhaps even longer. We call it Conversations on Crime Prevention. We're going to talk about uh, different aspects of preventing crime in the community before it happens to speak with various uh, law enforcement personnel. This morning, uh, Brian White is with us from the uh, Finley Police Department, crime prevention officer. I know this is a, a topic that is uh, near and dear to your heart as crime prevention officer. Uh, this is you know what you do. And uh, talking specifically uh, as we launch this series about the annual Flag City Night Out event, which is right around the corner now, uh, that as we said a little bit earlier, it involves lots of fun and games, but the ultimate purpose is anything but fun and games. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, when we go back and we talk about crime prevention, one of the biggest parts of crime prevention is information yeah. and sharing information with others. And really, that was kind of the tenet behind Block Watch or Neighborhood Watch, as it's sometimes referred to. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's uh, you know sharing, hey, my garage was broken into. Uh, I saw someone lurking around your car. Mm-hmm. Sharing that information with other people. Yeah. And that same idea carries over to Flag City Night Out. Yeah. Now, uh, night out events have been happening at least across our country since 1984. And that was just kind of another way of spreading information, getting information out to the community, as well as doing all the fun stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's another uh, component to this uh, with the fun and games and getting involved in the community, making your presence known and making sure that... I, I hear uh, a lot of law enforcement officers say, you know, in the good old days, years ago, <laughs> you had uh, you had officers that were assigned to specific neighborhoods, That's often correct, yeah. often on foot patrol. That's so you would see everybody in the neighborhood; they would know you, you would know them. Obviously times change and that's not possible anymore this is one way of sort of reestablishing that connection when we talk about uh, community relations or community policing that's really what it is working hand in hand with the community so Mm -hmm. if you dial it back yes uh, there were officers in your neighborhoods walking the beat so to speak Mm -hmm. getting to know everyone and that facilitated that exchange of information because you get to know that person as a person not just a badge or symbol or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. it's more of a, a personal relationship and again, that, that kind of goes back to this event as well, where we walk around, we're talking with people, and there's been several times where people come up to me and, hey, you guys are, are just regular guys like everyone else. By the right. way, I, I, we got this issue in our neighborhood, mm-hmm. but what do you think? Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, the more you know about what's going on in the neighborhood, the better you can patrol an area and prevent crime and, you know, that kind of thing. Solve crimes when they do happen, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Us driving around patrol cars, we might drive around your neighborhood yeah. and see a red car parked in your driveway. To us, it's just a car. probably lives there. Right. To you, you know whether or not that car belongs there, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not it belongs in your neighbor's driveway. Exactly. So that's where that information comes in. Yeah. Um, the... 
you mentioned uh, this is kind of this came out of an extension of the uh, neighborhood uh, watch program. Uh, those programs still exist, though. Don't that's they? correct. Yeah. Yep. Here in Finley, we have about thirty-three watches on the books. That's not to say that each one of those are active one hundred percent. Because when we talk about neighborhood watch or block watch, it is a community program. It is mm-hmm. that individual watches or neighborhoods responsibility to kind of run their watch. The police department is just that information liaison where we come in, share information about what's happening, yeah. facilitate that exchange of with our officers about what you're seeing in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. and also offering some kind of training to what to spot, how to report it. There is also, uh, obviously, just like every other uh, aspect of society these days, uh, the internet and social media has changed that, and, and you see a lot of that uh, on social media as well. Absolutely. Um, so social media, uh, blessings and curses, right? It sure. works both ways. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, information out to your uh, neighborhood, that's a great resource, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different uh, social media platforms that you can actually create your own neighborhood watches, so to speak, share information with each other. Right. Uh, whether or not it's Facebook or uh, Nextdoor, all those different kinds of applications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know uh, even I have a Ring doorbell camera at home, yep. and there's a whole community there uh, that uh, shares information and sometimes videos and, and that kind of thing to uh, keep people. And all of this kind of ties into one ultimate uh, purpose, which is making our neighborhoods uh, safe, keeping our neighborhoods safe. Absolutely, so. absolutely. And really, that's what crime prevention is all about. Yeah. And that's what our goal is with the Finley Police Department. So uh, it's interesting as we talk about all of this, because uh, when you say crime prevention officer, um, I don't think I don't think people always really realize just how much of a of a science, uh, if you will, goes into that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of people ask me, well, how do you prevent crime? Well, obviously, I cannot prevent crime. Right? I mean, crime, it, it's going to happen Your crime with, prevention with or without us. Yeah, it's all about setting ourselves up so that we don't become the victims of crime. What yeah. can we do to help uh, ensure our safety and security? Yeah. And that, that's where the crime prevention officer comes in by tips and tricks. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we mentioned the uh, flag city night out is right around the corner. This is uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks. Give us all of the uh, details on this. Yeah. So we're looking at uh, Tuesday, August 1st, okay. from 6 to 9 PM down at Riverside park, same location as in the past. So uh, if you've ever been to it before, you're going to the same exact place. Our rain date is the following Tuesday, uh, which is August 8th. Hopefully, uh, knock on wood, we won't need that. (laughs) Has been one year where we almost did. Yeah. So, again, a lot of the information sharing, that's a big component. Uh, Free food, entertainment, Pantasia will be there like in years past, playing some music for everyone. They're always great about it. Uh, We'll be hosting our ninth annual mascot game. So, Mm -hmm. area mascots will come out, compete in what we like to say is Olympics. Uh, To the layperson, it's more uh, musical chairs and (laughs) dance competition. Yeah. So, it's it's pretty laid back, pretty easy. Uh, We will also have uh, the police and fire games where police officers will pair up with kids. Firefighters will pair up with kids and kind of compete in some of the the similar games. Mm -hmm. And lots and lots of demonstrations. So, drones will be out there. The police canines, uh, something we started last year, which, uh, proved to be a very good demonstration was our, um, less lethal tools demonstration. A lot of people Mm. see our beanbag shotguns or our tasers and pepper spray. And they're like, well, what do you use these for? Mm -hmm. Uh, How are they safe? Yeah. And that's kind of what we show. We do a couple demonstrations. Last year, we had someone get tased. Someone that we know from our group. <laughs> not just someone <laughs> yeah, randomly. Not just some random person walking <laughs> not by. Not going to be so, looking so for don't some worry volunteers. About that. <laughs> and uh, 
We also deployed our uh, less lethal shotgun, which fires a kind of a beanbag round. Hmm. It's something that we can utilize in the event that uh, someone has a weapon. Uh, mm-hmm. Rather than us using a firearm, we can turn to one of these tools to hopefully yeah. de-escalate that situation. Yeah, because so, nobody wants to use deadly force if you don't absolutely. have to. Absolutely. Yeah. In the past, it used to be kind of our only option, mm-hmm. uh, but now we have all these different tools that, that help us yeah. do our job. Yeah. So we'll be doing a demonstration like that. Um, there also our resource fair. Uh, that, that's something that uh, when I came in, I really wanted to expand on because it's a lot of people in one place. Again, information sharing, which right. is Hallmark uh, Blockwatch. So getting resources out to the community what's mm-hmm. available so we'll have a lot of nonprofits there kind of offering their services to the community or at least sharing what they had to yeah. offer so uh, again information uh, just makes us a stronger community Absolutely. and again this is open to all uh within the community and you know within the area right yep, yep. yeah, yeah we, so. we don't block it off for anyone if uh you happen to be in finley that night feel free to come on out again it's a good time uh bounce houses um a lot of vehicles to check out Fun for the entire family. Absolutely. That's, that's the other key to uh, all of this. And again, uh, the uh, date, uh, date is uh, Tuesday, August 1st. Is that right? That's correct. Tuesday, Six August to 9 PM. 6 to 9 at Riverside Park. You can uh, circle that on your calendar. We've yeah. got a link up for more information at our webpage, goodmornings.net. And again, Finley Police Department Crime Prevention Officer Brian White with us uh, this morning. Brian, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate thanks, Chris. It. Thanks right. for having me. Conversations on Crime Prevention. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. And coming up tomorrow on the program, more than half of all happily ever afters aren't. How one divorce lawyer wants to help couples who are ending their marriage take the high road to Splitsville. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.